0: But it's not just any Ross Tucker football podcast. It is a Finish Strong Friday, presented, of course, by DraftKings. But it's not just a Finish Strong Friday. Although it's not actually a Picks Friday, it is a Winner's Friday. I want winners. I want people that want to win. People like Greg Narleski, who followed Ross Tucker Pod on Facebook, and Ross Tucker NFL on TikTok. If you double dip and you send me an email with proof that you double dipped, you're pretty much guaranteed to be the winner. So congratulations, Greg. Hit me up with an email, ross at com. Let me know which one of these awesome press passes you want. Or if you prefer a signed picture or card, that's fine too. Sponsor confirmation email winner, Tom and Jerry Craft. A couple a lovely couple they got in on the first leaf wine offer love it thank you tom thank you jerry love those of you that take advantage of our sponsors and then this week's youtube shout out youtube.com slash ross tucker nfl goes to gonzalo granados gonzalo let me know who you want the shout out for you have to email me ross at ross patron of the day aaron sly We keep racking up new patrons, which I love. Welcome to the family, Aaron. Happy to have you aboard. Patreon.com slash RT Media. So fired up for today's big show for so many reasons. I love the Super Bowl because we can really go in-depth, hardcore. Let's look at just the line play about a week out with my preferred line expert, Brandon Thorne. Big show time. The Big Show. Well, as promised, we have my favorite O-line, D-line guru, the great Brandon Thorne. Um, We've had him on multiple times before. Um, Love the backstory uh, of how he got involved in being an O-line, D-line guru. But I'm going to let you tell it again real quickly here, Brandon, because you are a testament to someone becoming an expert at something you have a passion about, even though you didn't really do it yourself or you didn't do it at a high level yourself. I love that story about your story.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so I I started, uh, you know, I was originally out of high school. I played in high school, played offensive line, so I got a little taste of it there. But um, out of high school, I went to the military and I was in the Air Force for 10 years and uh during that time and even through throughout childhood as well just a huge nfl fan um football fan madden fan so i knew a lot of the players the rosters of most teams stuff like that just dreamt about building a team and what it took to identify talent scout players um that was always just kind of a passion of mine so uh carried that through the military and then had an opportunity to get out a little early um you know to pursue this and uh decided to just go you know head first into it uh, go all the way in just start from nothing and you know no no real connections or anything and and then connections just started to kind of happen you know um in Colorado at the time when I got out Ted Sunquist was living in Colorado Springs basically near me who's a former uh general manager of the Broncos and also an air force veteran and I just found him on Twitter saw he had a website with not a lot of content on it. And I was like, Hey, can I just write, you know, stuff for you for free and just, you know, kind of pick your brain, you know, basically. And uh, he he said, yeah. Um, And then we joined together on a podcast um, and got to meet a lot of people through that. And then it just built, I I did the scouting Academy for a couple of semesters through Dan Hatman, which was outstanding. Um, And yeah, you know, just one thing just kept building off another. And, had to do stuff, you know, for, for free for a while, but I was in a good position to do that with the military um, and my wife and a lot of support. So did that for a few years. And then really, you know, offensive and defensive line was something I was the most passionate about. And I kind of, I felt like I knew the most about just going in. And then when I learned more about it and I saw, you know, simultaneously that not a lot of people were talking about it, uh, especially online I thought that I could, you know, focus in on that specifically around, I think that was like 2014, 2015. And um, yeah, just been able to build a niche focusing on the trenches and just shining light on, you know, offensive and defensive line play, which, um, you know, and learning along the way. So it's been really kind of like a dream job for me the last few years, especially, but um, yeah, so that that's how I started and what I do. And I, I'm very thankful to to do it
0: you can check him out like i do on social media at brandon thorne nfl and i don't know how i started seeing your uh your tweets your video clips on my feed but i greatly appreciate them because i don't have a chance to watch the end zone copy which is what Lyman watch as much as i'd like because i have too many jobs um so I love the fact that you you do get a chance to watch the tape, and I reached out to you because you recently had a pretty good cut up of Jordan Mailata, uh, who's a, a favorite of mine, in the run game from the last mm-hmm. two playoff games, and it just triggered me. You know what? I want to get Brandon on talk about line play, but in particular, let's go over the the matchups in this game. Um, Is it fair to say, uh, Brandon, in your mind, do you think the Eagles have the best offensive line and defensive line in the NFL?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think that's totally fair, which is really crazy. I can't remember the last time that's happened, but uh, yeah, I do. I do think they have the best O-line for sure. They've had the best O-line the whole year. I think they've – you know, Cleveland was close, you know, at – various times I thought just in terms of talent and then also just how well they were playing. But uh, Philly has been the the top unit, I think in my preseason rankings. And then it hasn't really wavered throughout the whole year. They were, they kind of fit, you know, the bill, they were as expected, uh, maybe then some, especially as of late in the playoffs. And the defensive line I think was in the same tier as the 49ers and, you know, maybe, maybe one other unit, you know, potentially, but um, yeah. That, so I think they're tier one for sure. And then, uh, you know, you can make the case to the best. And I think that they've probably been the best, especially the last uh, maybe second half of the season. I mean, th- th- it's the talent, it's the depth, you know, uh, inside, outside They, you know, I think the depth really though, for them is what really just, you know, makes them so special. You know, they just have waves, you know, their their second unit uh, could be better than a lot of starting units, I think, in the NFL. And then the production matches that with their sacks and pressures and all that.
0: I think it's a really good point. Their second unit is really good. I mean, they yep. basically go like 10 deep, Yep. you know, along the defensive line. And like I noticed, they didn't have a single D lineman play more than 28 snaps or 29 snaps against the 49ers. Like wow. that's, now, obviously, the Niners didn't possess the ball that much, but that's still yeah. just incredible. What's interesting to me, though, is off the top of my head, I don't know if you have your rankings in front of you, but I would think that the Chiefs O-line is a top 5 O-line, and I would think their D-line is... Is up there too with the way Frank Clark's playing. Chris Jones is just incredible. Um, you know, Carl has done some good things this year. Where, where, um, where do you think? I know you do it by tiers and rankings. Where does the Chiefs O line and D line stack up in terms of your rankings?
1: Yeah, I've, I've had the Chiefs O line as a top five unit most of the season, and uh, you know, a different tier, of course, than Philly. But I, I think that second tier it is. You know, totally fair and justified for them, and it for them it's it's you know a lot different being in a different tier than Philly. But uh, the strength of their unit is on the interior. You know, their interior three, I think, has the case uh, you know for being a, a tier one collection of talent. You know, that trio. If you stack all the you know those three interior positions across the NFL, I'd put them in the top tier. You know, with Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, and Joe Tooney. Uh, you know. Trey Smith is kind of the quote unquote weak link of that unit uh, in in terms of the interior, but he, what he brings, you know, I think he's probably a top 10 right guard in the league. Um, So not a top two guy like Creed and Joe Tooney are, but he's still very young and he's just one of those rare guys. Who's like a Wyatt Teller, you know, Quentin Nelson, maybe a young Roger Saffold, maybe one or two other guys who are just simply bigger and stronger than most of the guys they go against. And he could just impose his will on guys, maybe not the cleanest yet technically, but he's just that enforcer, tone setter kind of guy, you know, on their interior and on their offensive line. So um, their interior is phenomenal. And then their tackles are, you know, they're they're functional, I, I think, and Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley. So, um, yeah, and, and, you know, Patrick Mahomes writes a lot of wrongs, you know, when those guys lose. And, and they, I'm, I'm going to do a film room today actually on – their prior game against uh, the 49ers and just how well they mitigate their weaknesses through scheme. It's just phenomenal what Andy Reid does. So um, uh, excuse me, not the 49ers, but uh, their prior game, I'm going to do a a film room against the Bengals, you know, in in terms of highlighting what they do well to mask, you know, their weaknesses in pass protection at tackle. Uh, So they, they cover up things very well and they're just, you know I think probably the fifth or sixth best unit in the NFL heading in and you know in the playoffs I had them I think as the second best unit when it all started so
0: what about what about the Chiefs D line I feel like that's the unit that um I'm, I'm most interested in that maybe I don't know as much in terms of how you would have them ranked where do they stack up in your mind Brandon
1: yeah so my final week 18 rankings you know with all 32 teams I had them at uh, 11 Overall, um, you know, right, right near kind of the Dolphins, the Chargers, Broncos, Vikings, you know, they they were all kind of in a similar kind of tier, but it really starts with Chris Jones, who I think, you know, is the best interior pass rusher in football this year, arguably the defensive player of the year, you know, I think he's certainly on the podium for that. Um, And he's just, you know, he had an absolutely incredible year with what he did inside. He's kind of a closer uh, for that, for that team, for that defense. Uh, so he's just phenomenal, you know, first team, all pro kind of guy. Um, and then after that, they kind of have a collection of capable guys, you know, who some are ascending, you know, like a George Karlofkas, uh from Purdue rookie. He, he's, he's pretty, pretty solid. He, he could do some things on the outside, kicks inside once in a while, pretty good power rusher. Um, I think their second best pass rusher actually is a very unknown guy named Mike Dana. Um, who number 51 he's an undersized I think he's technically listed as a defensive end but he primarily does all his damage inside kicked inside over a guard Um, and he's very quick not a lot of surface area to block on him low to the ground uh, good natural leverage good with his hands Um, so he he gives guards a lot of trouble Uh, the problem with that is if you catch him on a rundown, especially Philly they're going to demolish him so (laughs) they have to be careful uh, about having a guy like that on the field. Um, But on passing downs, he's, he's very effective. Uh, So Dana, Chris Jones, Karlofkas, and then they have uh, Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap as well, you know, so they have guys who can, who, you know, can, can really give guys trouble, especially guys like Jordan Mailata. I think if, if it's obvious pass down situations, I could see this defensive line, you know, giving Philly some trouble a little bit, but, that's the that's the conundrum with Philly you don't know pass and rundowns very well and uh if you have the wrong personnel on the field when you think it's pass and they run they could just blow you open for a big gain so that's that's the tough part but um but yeah, I think this is a you know a fringe top ten uh pass rush unit and they have some some pretty pretty good guys you know led by chris
0: so um You know, watching your clips of Mylotta and Dickerson in the run game, I've been trying to tell people in Philly all year, I don't know if you've ever seen those guys up close. They are both very physically impressive dudes. Mylotta is 6'8", 380. Uh, Dickerson is 6'6", plus, and all of 340. And watching your clips, Brandon, this week, you just don't see things like that in the NFL very often, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, they're rolling D tackles out of there, you know, five yards deep. I mean, that just doesn't, usually if you're a D tackle that gets taken for a five yard ride, like you're fired, you know, like they, they can't have guys like that. And I think they have really good technique from Stoutland, but also, I mean, they're just young. I mean, both of them are like in their mid twenties and they're like at peak (laughs) prime roll people off the ball years they kind of get overshadowed because Kelsey is an all-timer at center and Lane Johnson's an all time I mean both those guys are like Hall of Fame caliber players. Right. but I want you to comment on the weapons and the movement that the left side of the Eagles line is in the run game.
1: Yeah, so you, you touched on it already with the size you know combined 700 pounds plus on that left side um and i think the thing that makes them really special aside from the size and the power is their movement skills as well like they they're not you know necessarily the the plodding kind of guys that you would expect especially milotta he moves you know extremely well uh for his size and i did a film room on their giants game uh last week and some of the outside zone stuff they don't run it a whole lot at least they did in that game they ran it a couple times and on outside zone away I mean, Dickerson and my you know, climbing up on those backside combos to the second level. I mean, they could erase linebackers as well, uh, you know, moving laterally. So they have that kind of in their back pocket as well. But yeah, they're bread and butter, you know, on inside zone and, and any kind of front side, you know, double team, deuce block, any kind of, you know, situation like that where they're blocking down, you know, on a three technique to the backside linebacker. Um, you know they're just gonna cave guys in and especially with the light boxes that they're facing with Jalen hurts on the field and w- what that does for teams you know for defenses and how they have to respect that it just it, it frees up and you know clears out a lot of that trash so they really just have to deal with that three technique and i mean those two guys can erase pretty much you know any three technique in the league um you know for the most part uh you know especially with the teams that they're facing. You know, it's funny, I thought Cincy was probably a better matchup for them uh, because they had DJ Reader, BJ Hill, and then uh, Tuapu, I think is his name. Those are all good run defenders, all like 320, 330 guys. But KC and the Giants and, you know, the the teams that they're facing, um, you know, I just just don't think that they have the the bodies, you know, on the interior to, to really combat. You know, Milata and Dickerson in the run game. So, and then when they go 2i, you know, when they see fronts with the 2i on the front side on their side, you know, they'll just pin him with Landon Dickerson and fold Kelsey uh, and then let Milata kick out the front, you know, the front side end. So they can, they can be dominant in multiple ways against multiple alignments. Um, and it's just, I don't know how you really slow them down, honestly. But yeah, Milata and Dickerson, you know, I like giving them. A little bit more love and shine, you know, because because of what you said, Kelsey and Lane deservingly get most of it. Um, but yeah, those two guys with as young as they are, uh, man, it's it's a special left side, I think. And I was a huge Dickerson fan coming out of Bama. And then my Lotta story obviously is incredible as well. So it's
0: it's it's a really cool story and just that whole offensive line is just it's amazing. Kinda sounds like Brandon, you think the Eagles have a good chance to run over the Chiefs. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm just, based on what you just said, Chiefs not a good matchup, don't have the bodies. Kind of sounds like you think that there's a a real possibility the Eagles could run the Chiefs over.
1: I think it's a possibility for sure. I mean, you know, Derek Nandi is a pretty good run defender, I will say that, but the thing with the Giants, you know, that they ran into, you know, Dexter Lawrence is obviously a stud, Leonard Williams was playing hurt, but, you know, he's still pretty good, even, you know, not 100%. The problem is, though, is when those guys need a breather, uh, the depth, you know, was was very poor for the Giants. And anytime they had a backup in, they just got ran over. And I think the same thing would probably happen with the Chiefs. Um, you know, Derek Nandi, like I said, he's their he's their best, you know, nose tackle kind of run defender. But man, when he needs a breather. You know, you're going to have to put in somebody, you know, Kalen Saunders, um, you know, they have Brandon Williams, which is kind of interesting, but I think he's, you know, barely hanging on. You know, they signed, maybe he has 10 snaps left in him, you know, if the old Brandon Williams, we'll see, that would be huge. Um, but they, they're going to need it because that's the thing, you know, if if you had this great depth, you know, that's a different story, but I don't see the Chiefs having great depth on the interior other defensive line. And I think that's going to be tested and it could be a huge
0: liability. So, you know, we'll, we'll see, but it's going to be a challenge. Um, Last question, Brandon Lane Johnson. There's a lot of talk uh, this week about how quick he's getting off the ball. Uh, Niners fans um, believe he's false starting. I've seen the clips kind of wanted to get your opinion on mm-hmm false start or no false start as it relates to lane
1: yeah yeah so yeah this is a really interesting topic that I've, I've touched on quite a bit with different guys and I, I think several elite or even very good level guys at tackle specifically have done this over the years Bakhtiari has done this for a long time um Brian Belaga when he was there and lane now is kind of the master at it and um yeah I mean they have it down to a science and it's, it's very difficult. I think, you know, when we have the benefit of the remote, the benefit of replay, you know, it's easy to kind of see sometimes where he does just move a little early, but you know, in real time, it's so precise and so close that, you know, it's just difficult to call it and they have it down to, to where they put the refs kind of in that, that gray area consistently. And it's, you know, I think it's, a you know, a really savvy thing to do um, because, you know, as you know, you know, the first guy off the ball, you know, in the trenches, you know, typically is the guy who's going to win the rep, um, you know, so just having that split second advantage is huge. And then on top of it, Lane Johnson is incredibly athletic. You know, he gets to his landmarks, you know, regardless of level of competition first. Um, so then when you add in that, you know, split second advantage, it it just becomes very difficult to be in Lane Johnson and pass protection. I understand the frustration. It's the whole season and really the last several years. I mean, Lane Johnson's been doing this. Now it's a big topic, but it's nothing new. Um, and this is just kind of how Lane plays. And uh it, it's it's just got a lot of recognition as of late. But um Yeah. You know, I, from what I understand that back foot, you know, you can adjust it pre-snap as long as your trunk doesn't move, your head doesn't move. You can kind of move that back foot a little bit. Trent Williams does this a lot as well. And, you know, it's kind of a gray area between adjusting your back foot and coming off the ball with the back foot leading, you know, leading the way. So it's just, it's difficult to pin down for a ref in real time and Lane Johnson is just spamming it consistently. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he, he's having a lot of success with it. It's, I think it's great. But, yeah, from a defensive perspective, I get it.
0: It's it's tough, you know, to 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 face. Brandon, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. This was awesome. Exactly what I was looking for. Yeah, my pleasure, Ross. Thanks for having me. One of the things I know about Brandon, by the way, with his military background, really an exercise, really into working out, my guess is he's all over Peloton, just like my wife is, just like my brother-in-law and sister-in-law are, it's the variety, it's the on-demand a la carte, that's the society we live in now, right, like where people want what they want when they want it, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that, that is what you should want, well, the beauty of Peloton is that's exactly what it is, Pick the type of workout you want, the length you want, the music you want, the instructor you want, when you want it. Pretty incredible, really. And that's why it's awesome. It's available 24 7. Recording this at 6 30. Already got my workout in this morning. Try Peloton risk free with a 30 day home trial. It's new members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com. Slash home dash trial.
2: Duck Stakes. All right, Ross, we'll start with a warrant was issued for the arrest of Bengals running back Joe Mixon on one count of aggravated menacing, but agent Peter Schaefer says it'll be dropped today.
0: But the damage is kind of already done. I mean, we all know Joe Mixon's history from college, and if you don't know it, go look it up. Just to have this out there, even if the charges are dropped, it's a really bad look for Joe, given his previous history. Really bad look. And this is this like the second day in a row where something happened in a legal matter. I don't quite understand. How is a warrant issued for his arrest today, and then the charges will be dropped tomorrow? Or a warrant was issued for his arrest yesterday, and the charges will be dropped tomorrow? I just don't understand how that happens. That, that does not seem like the way it should be.
2: Duck States. Cowboys wide receiver Michael Gallup had both knee and ankle surgeries this week.
0: So this is an important thing to note, okay? Michael Gallup did not have a good year for the Cowboys. He's their number two wide receiver and certainly did not play like it. And then we find out after the season, the guy has to have both knee and ankle surgery. That's probably one of the reasons why he didn't play that well or wasn't that productive. And by the way, that doesn't exactly bode well moving forward for Michael. But I just want people to understand sometimes these guys are dealing with injuries that are really bothering them. And sometimes guys can still perform at a really high level through those injuries. Sometimes, like Michael, they can't. But he was out there giving everything he had The thing I always say, though, is like most Cowboys fans won't even see the news that Michael Gallup had knee and ankle surgeries. They'll just say he stinks, he's a bum. Because like I always say, if you're inside those white lines, nobody cares. There's no excuse. You're inside the white lines, you are declaring yourself healthy enough to play, you're going to be judged on your performance, and rightfully so. So you don't really get credit for playing through injuries. You you really don't. But I do think it's noteworthy for Gallup. Knee and ankle for a receiver? That makes his performance this year make a whole lot more sense. And that's our Labatt's Tuck Take of the Day, presented by Labatt Blue Light, the pristine Canadian Pilsner. Share Labatt with friends this football season.
2: Tuck takes. Trey Bly was hired as the cornerback coach of the Detroit Lions.
0: I always think that's cool, right? Used to play corner for the Detroit Lions. I like that. Good for him. Tuck Stakes.
2: Vic Fangio officially accepted the Dolphins' defensive coordinator position.
0: Well, a lot of people wanted him. A lot of people wanted him. I'd be very curious to see how much money Vic got because a lot of people wanted him. He was with the Eagles during training camp, for sure. Um, You know, because I saw him at all the preseason games I was at, uh, like consulting for the team or whatever. So good for Vic. Highest paid D coordinator uh, of all time. Bet you he can have some Labatt blue lights this weekend and enjoy it. Go ahead, Vic. There's no better way to celebrate being the highest paid D coordinator in the NFL than with the pristine Canadian goodness of a cold Labatt blue light in your hand. Stock up, be the MVP of your weekend, Vic, and share a Labatt on game day with your crew. By the way, if you saw my Twitter last night, at Ross Tucker NFL, going skiing, starting this morning with my family, and uh, I got my 30-pack of Labatt Blue Light, all packed up, ready to go. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Tuck Stakes.
2: Andy Reid says Mikkel Harbin will be doubtful for the Super Bowl.
0: It's McCole Hardman, by the way. I knew that. Um, jo- Joe always says Mecole. It's uh, it's McCole, and yeah, Joe kind of said that. I think I think we all kind of anticipated that, just based on how long it took for him to come back from that other injury, and then comes back and reaggravates it. Not a good sign. What is a good sign is that there's 11 days till Valentine's Day, and you can still go to myfrontpagestory.com. And get your loved one the greatest Valentine's Day gift ever, I promise, using the code RTFP and then the number 10. Other shout-outs, Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, HumanHeadNYC.com, Sports.com, Go-Bangles.com, Evergreen Economics, Vision Comics with an X, BackOfficeScheduler.com. Monday through Wednesday next week, we will be broadcasting from Radio Row at the Super Bowl. We're going remote. Should be awesome. I think we're done here. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, rostucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.